I had a, an overwhelming amount of um, young girls reaching out, um, young girls from the city um, reaching out and just saying, this is the coolest thing ever. How did you um, get into it? How do I do it? Um, who do I contact? And to be honest, I, I didn't know what to tell them. G'day and welcome to episode 26 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Lalive. And before we jump into today's episode, you better get out your notebooks and write down September 19. We're launching our six-part series as part of celebrating the Royal Melbourne Show. As Victoria's largest and most iconic annual community event, it is incredibly valuable to promoting and celebrating excellence in agriculture in Melbourne. Today's guest is Sammy O'Brien. If you're a Queensland local, you may recognise her from Queensland Weekender and Creek to Coast. Her work has seen her travel across the majority of Queensland, looking at everything from iconic getaways to iconic people. I can safely say it's definitely the first time that the town of Jalaka has been mentioned on the podcast, but I hope it won't be the last. I found today's chat really interesting. Towards the end, I ask, after hearing about Sammy's story, I ask her if she actually sees herself in agriculture. Her answer was no. She doesn't feel like she's doing enough. But it's exactly people like Sammy who are able to articulate their story and bring agriculture onto mobile phones and TVs across the country for a consumer audience. Luckily, when I shared with her what the definition was for a human of agriculture, she actually does see herself contributing to the industry. So today we're going to chat about a couple of different things and it's a fairly light-hearted conversation. There's plenty of laughs and I just love the combo all around. We're talking about Sammy's affinity with the country, but agriculture more generally, and how it came about. How she took some time off and actually went and experienced agriculture for herself. She did a bit of a stint as a drover and put herself out there meeting some friendly locals in pubs that saw her giving them a helping hand. Following her stint in the country, she had quite a number of young girls in particular being inquisitive and asking her questions about how the jobs came about. Sammy actually found that she didn't really necessarily have the answers and as much as she would have liked to, she felt like she wasn't able to help the the girls as much as she hoped. When we talk about opportunities and people outside the farm gate and how Sammy uses her skill in storytelling, mixing it with agriculture, to promoting the opportunities so people get out there and experience it for themselves. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast, Sammy. It's awesome to have you here. I'm very excited to be here. Starting off, and so for people who don't know you, you're Channel 7 reporter um, based in Brizzy. Can you tell me a a bit more about your job? Yeah, so basically I'm um, a lifestyle presenter. So that means I try to, I don't do anything with news really. Um, We basically, our job is to, travel and present lifestyle stories so any sort of anywhere you might be going in Queensland or even Australia we I work for two different shows so Queensland Weekender and Creek to Coast so Creek to Coast can go anywhere Queensland Weekender we're restricted to Queensland um, but yeah basically we just profile small businesses and any new tourism attract tourism attraction or um, tourism venture that might have popped up somewhere in Queensland we um Go and pay them a visit and bring it to yeah, bring it to an audience. 
And looking from the outside in, it looks like you've probably got the best job in the world. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty good. Look, people always say that. People always say, you have the best job in the world. It is work still. It's so much fun. I wouldn't want to do anything else. Um, It is absolutely awesome, but it's still work. Like we're on those big shoots if we're you know out in the country or wherever we are we're you know we get we're getting up to shoot a sunrise and we're always shooting all the way through to after dinner so they're massive days and we're on the road a lot um so it means being away a lot but it's awesome and i've seen so much i've seen so much of queensland that i just never would have if i wasn't in this job so yeah, I've been I've been to lots of very cool places, and um, yeah, so it is it is it's a really really cool job. It is. I'm very jealous. It's a bit a lot better than sitting in my bedroom for the last 25 <laughs> weeks. Yeah, anyway, it does beat that. It yeah. definitely beat. <laughs> and is that like journalism storytelling piece? Is, has that always been who you are? Or? Yeah, I just love people. So I. I actually wanted to, I always wanted to be a newsreader. That's what I wanted to do when I wanted to be a newsreader or a nurse, which are two very different things. Um, but I did my, um, I did an internship in news and I just didn't love it. I didn't have the, um, I just don't, I'm not serious enough for it. I think, I think that's the, <laughs> that was my issue. Um, and I loved like I'm quite an excitable person. I get excited quite easily. And so I think that's what, what I love about um, what I do with the lifestyle stuff because you're showing up. You, so, for example, you'll show up to someone's small bed and breakfast that has been, you know, that's been their dream for their whole life. And finally they've done this little project that they've been working towards for years and they're just so excited to show you and so excited to, you know, teach you everything about it and, I just love hearing those stories and just, I don't know, I love speaking to passionate people and I think that that's what really drove me to lifestyle as opposed to news where it was quite a bit more serious. Um, <laughs> I really liked that aspect of it. You know, you're always, you're always with people that are so excited about their production, about what they're doing and people are always excited to see you when you show up basically. Yeah, which is different to knocking on the door, demanding a story so you can make headlines. Yeah, exactly. You know, news, I think, you know, so it's a lot of it is sad. You know, you're showing up to a tragedy or people don't really, you know, want to be speaking to you. And I just don't think I could hack that. I couldn't hack someone <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> and so on that, like, yeah, talking with passionate people, have you got a favourite story or moment kind of oh, so far? Gosh, I have so many. Um, my... I love all the I love all the outback stories we do. I think um, I don't know. There's just something about it that I love. I love all the people out there, and they're always so friendly. You know, they're just so excited to have you there. And um, one of my favourite trips was about a year ago, I think. And we did. It was 14 days on the road, which was huge, and we. Um, we went from here, we went to, from Brisbane, which is where I live, um, to Birdsville. And we, so we flew into Longreach and then um, picked up a car in a caravan there and did 14 days from Longreach to Birdsville in a caravan. Um, and no everything that, just everything that went wrong could go wrong. We were on our way from, I think it was, oh God, it could have been Winton to somewhere. And the stretch of road that we were on was too long for 
the amount of fuel that our car could carry. And we just didn't even think that we would need jerry cans. Anyway, so we filled up in Winton and we couldn't make it to the next stop because the tank in the car literally wasn't big enough. Um, and so we ran out of fuel and we had to call the, oh, it was so embarrassing. And we had to call the local policeman who ended up actually being the guy that I interviewed for the next segment of the show because he also owns the caravan park and it was so embarrassing. <laughs> and then then from Bullia to um, Birdsville, the caravan came off the back of the car. Um, and that was a complete disaster. And then just, oh, it was just thing after thing. We Then we pulled back out onto the road and we got sprayed with gravel and the windscreen smashed. And <laughs> but then we got to Birdsville and it was the most epic thing ever. And it was, um, the big red bash was on. Okay. So we were there for that. And um, yeah, it was just the most, one of the most unreal experiences I think I've had. It was just really, really cool. The atmosphere was amazing. Um, and I'm sad that it couldn't happen this year, but yeah, it was, that was epic. It was really good. And so do those. Hey, it's Nick here, sheep farmer and Rabobank regional client council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community wellbeing and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives. Those that support education in ag rural health, sustainability, and help bridge the country-city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision, and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www.rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community fund. We'd love to hear from you. Stuff ups, do they make it onto the Instagram as well? Or is that all just, yeah, no yeah, stuff ups? No, but I'm like, actually, I probably shouldn't have even said that. I don't even know if we're allowed to say that. Uh, oh. That definitely did not make the Instagram cut. Uh, it was years ago. No one will remember. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be able to tie it into something else. And so this, like, affinity with the outback or just agriculture more generally, like, when, when did that come about for you? Because you grew up in, in Brizzy. Yeah, I grew up in Brizzy. Um, I I mean, my fiancé always says it was because of him. He always says that he got me into it. Um, but I don't know. He worked on a couple of um, cotton farms. He did a couple of seasons and then did a, I think he did, a stint out in Mitchell on a cattle station, I think. Anyway, he's always loved it. And then when I met him, probably, I think it was about five years ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was through, I think it was through him. And then I just really, really developed a massive love for it. And lots of our mates are out in Gundy and Moray and we go and see them a lot. And I just, yeah, I just built this real love for it. And I just, um, I don't know, I think I was, I think it's something that you're born with maybe because I have always loved animals um, and I've always, I've always loved the country. I've just never been so passionate about it until um, a couple of years ago. But yeah, I don't know. I think it just developed from going out and visiting our mates and yeah, he likes to say it's through him, but (laughs) you don't give him that. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't get that one. (laughs) And so I think like, and there's, I don't know, it'd be hard to answer or not. But so when people say they're like incredibly passionate about it, but like 
for you, is there something you can boil that that down to? Um, I just, so when I did my stint out there last year, I just, um, I remember feeling this um, overwhelming sense of calm and I just, I'd never, I've always been, I've always, I've never been out of stock. Like I've always been the type of person that even if I'm at home, if I've got a day off, like I always, I'll see a million people and I'll go to coffee five times and I'll, you know, make sure I'm, I'm never at home. Like I'm always out doing stuff. I hate sitting down. I hate sitting still. Um, and I actually hate being by myself. I, I never, like if I'm sitting at home by myself, I just hate it. So Interesting. Um, I just felt like when I was out there, I loved being by myself and I was so calm and I've just, I've never felt um, as at ease as I did when I was um, in the country and I have that feeling every time, you know, you get to about Warwick if we're on our way to Gundy and I just, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I just feel really calm and um, I don't know, at ease. And I think that that feeling was um, something that maybe I really needed to find. Um, And I think that's what, I think that's what it is for me is that I just can stop and, just yeah, feel really yeah calm. And so that stint that you did last year, was it was there something that triggered it? Was work too hectic, and you thought you just wanted to get away, or was it kind of this mini quarter yeah. life crisis? It's <laughs> <laughs> a quarter life crisis. Oh my god! Imagine what my halfway life crisis. What's it called? <laughs> I what my midlife crisis is going to be like. Oh heck! Anyway, um, yeah, I think it was. I don't know. Yeah. So it came off the back of um, the end of the work year. So that, you know, whatever year it was, um, sort of before Christmas, I started, we, we get let off work, I think like four weeks before Christmas or something. And um, I just was thinking, I don't know. I think the last, the last couple of um, months of that year were really hectic. I had some really long trips um, and I just, yeah, I don't know, just all the events in the lead up to Christmas and all of that sort of stuff, it just got all a bit much. And I just thought, no, bugger this, I'm going to take a couple months off. Um, And we're really lucky at work because we're all essentially employed as freelancers. So basically you can make, take as much time off work as you want. So you can work pretty much as much or as little as you want. So um, I was really, really lucky in that regard. I just said to work, I'm going to basically come back in April next year um, and I mean I think if I said to them I'm gonna sit at home on the couch until April next year it would have been a bit different but you know because I was doing what I was doing they were really excited for me and um, yeah I think it was just the pace of life at the end of um, that year was just a bit much and so I just um, yeah just got myself out of it and it was the best thing that I've ever done in my whole life. And so what did you actually do? It's <laughs> ah, a million dollar question. Um, I don't know if I was a whole lot of help to many people, but I thought I was at the time. I just um, basically, <laughs> they probably were like, what is this girl thinking? Um, uh, they I love enthusiasm. That's the main, that's the main tick box, I think. <laughs> I just don't know if I was more of a help or a hindrance, but that's all right. They all told me I was helpful. Um, so basically I just, um, before I left Brisbane, obviously it was bloody hard to find places to go, especially with no experience. And what was I, I think I was like 26 now. And, you know, 
why would a 26 year old girl from the city come out and work in the country? That's so weird. So I think a lot of people just would have, I don't know, just missed that. But I found um, this lovely lady who worked at Ag Force, who was a friend of a friend of a friend. And she said, um, I've got this great lady who lives in Julaka, which is 20 miles in Roma. Um, and she um, is happy to have you if you want to go to her place. She runs a cattle station by herself. Um, so if you want to go there, you can go there. So packed my bags and off I went. And so um, Julie Main, who was um, the lady I stayed with, I sort of used her as my base. Um, and then I would, it was the most sort of random thing ever because I would go to the pub and I'd meet someone and then they'd go, oh, old mate across the, you know, road needs work, needs someone to help them for a week. So I'd go live with them for a week and then someone in the injury needs help for a week. So I'd go and live in injury for the week. And then um, I came across, like, it's things that, like, I think back to now. I don't, I don't think I would ever do that now. Like, I'd be way too scared. But two years ago, it was the best thing ever. Um, and I was driving along one day and saw a drover on the side of the road. And I pulled up and I said to him, can I, like, what are you doing? I'd never seen, I didn't even know what that was. Did never seen a drover before, didn't know what a drover was. Um, and I had a chat to him and um, he was pretty rough. But I said to him, can I come and like hang out with you for the week? So I hung out with him for the week, got on a horse and pushed cattle with him for a week from, um, from miles to Condamine, which was just epic. Um, Did you camp out with them? And Oh, God, no. <laughs> I was going to say, because there was, there was an article I was reading the other day and it was um, like how they or leave the horses saddled up overnight in case the cattle rush and it's literally, you're, it's oh, my God. every man and his dog. Oh, God, it's not that I'm worried about. It was all the other things. <laughs> but um, I know I would, the sun would start setting and I'd, sort of get back in my car. So what they would do is they, cause they had vehicles, obviously they would, I would, where they had, like I would meet them before the sun came up. And then, cause you only go 10 or 15 Ks a day. They would just, one of them would jump in the ute and drive me back to my car. And then I'd drive back to um, Julie's house. So I'd drive back to, and they were like, the further we got, the, the more annoying it was for me to drive home. But I, there was no way I was staying there tonight. <laughs> Absolutely no way. <laughs> and so what other yeah, was, what other highlights were there when you were out there working on the cattle property? Oh, everything was a highlight. I was just in my element. It was just the most amazing thing. I'd never, well, I did pony cob when I was little, but I, that just, I hadn't been on a horse for sort of 20 years. And so um, I really, the, one of the main reasons also that I wanted to go out was because I wanted to learn how to ride really well, um, which is hilarious because it's baptism by fire. Really well in three months. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally funny. And I just thought I could just get on the horse and go for it. Um, but <laughs> so, and I thought I was really good when I was out there, but then I think they were putting me on 50 year old horses that, you know. Can't go fast anymore, but it was yeah. so fun. And so, like, I don't know, like, everyone would take me mustering, and I'd just plod along at the back. And I just loved the lifestyle. I loved the life that everyone was living, and I just that was so so attractive to me. I just 
everything about it I loved. I loved getting up before the sun and I loved that a day felt like a day. So it was the first, and I know that that sounds strange, but it was the first time that, you know, you get up um, and you have brekkie before the sun comes up. By the time the sun's up, you're sort of out. And then by the time it goes down, your day's sort of done. And I know a lot of farmers would disagree with that, but the way I saw it was you, you worked really, really hard for those hours and then you sort of sat down for dinner and a lot of the places they didn't have service. So you'd go to bed and you'd get up and you, you didn't, we wouldn't go, you know, you don't sit up and go on your computer and go on your phone for hours and hours. The second you get home and sit on the couch, you sort of, you get up, you work and you go to bed. And I loved that. I really loved, um, yeah, I loved, I don't know what it was about that, but I just felt like it was the first time that a day felt like a day and yeah and you really accomplished huge things each day yeah um i learned i think also because i was learning so much i didn't know anything so i was every day was just like the biggest day ever for me because i just it was information overload and i just um you know it's like sending it's like i don't know it's bringing someone that's never been to the city before and putting them in an office in queen street in brisbane like yeah. It's just completely different and it's fun and it's exciting. And that's what I loved so much about it because it was just so fun for me. It was, it was so amazing. And so with you, like, obviously you've got quite a large social footprint. And so sharing the work and things you're doing, did you have a lot of people reaching out to you? One being like, what the hell are you doing, Sammy? But no, like yeah, really so just many. curious. <laughs> So many. Well, I had my little sister going, oh, why would you go to the country? And then <laughs> she's only just turned 21. So she was quite young at the time. No, she was um, 18 at the time and hitting the clubs pretty hard and just thought that I was absolutely mad. But um, yeah, I did. I had, um, I had a, an overwhelming amount of um, young girls reaching out, um, young girls from the city um, reaching out and just saying, this is the coolest thing ever. How did you um, get into it? How do I do it? Um, who do I contact? And to be honest, I, I didn't know what to tell them because it was so hard to find someone. And it was only, I, I think it was really lucky that like I got really lucky with how I did it. I think, I mean, you can probably go onto a pretty hectic station and they throw you into the deep end big time and you could do it like that. But mm. um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It was, but I had, yeah, I had so many people reaching out and I would love to have been able to, to you know, give them advice and say, speak to this person or do this or whatever. But um, yeah, I think it's something that a lot of people would benefit from because it's just unreal. Just turn up at the Jalaka pub and see who you talk to. <laughs> tell them you're looking for work. <laughs> I must have looked so ridiculous. <laughs> and so for you, like bringing the two things together, obviously love about agriculture and people and all that aspect of it. But then obviously it's such a skill set being able to curate a story and particularly bringing it into Metro audiences. Like we know that it's something like 83% of people are disconnected or say that their connection to farming is non-existent or distant. And so it's this generational change which we're seeing, but obviously all of us are interacting with food and ag every day. Like, is there a part of you that really kind of wants to use your skill set in storytelling and really commit it to the ag side? Oh, 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it is so, so important. And I know that the whole bridging the gap between city and country, I feel like that's really overused, but I think it's, um, I think it's so, it's so important. And I just, I don't know, I think there are more conversations about it now though. Um, I don't know if that's just because I'm more involved now that I'm, so I'm noticing it and I'm speaking to sort of like-minded people now. I don't know if it's because of that, but um, I feel like there is, more of a focus and especially with you know COVID and everything like that I think people were focusing more on local um and you know looking at where they're I don't know whether that you know that people in the city are trying to grow more of their own product and I guess but yeah. um I think I think also as people um aren't able to travel as much anymore they might start getting out into the country and experiencing it. But I just don't know what the answer is there. I um, I would love to be able to, um, I'd love to be able to some shine a bigger light on it, but it's, um, it's, it's a really, it's a really tough one because um, consumer wise, I know that, you know, te like television wise, the closest thing you've got to you know a big ag show is landline or farmer wants a wife like, <laughs> landline's amazing but there aren't many young people from the city watching landline um yeah. and you know people i love farmer wants a wife it's my favorite show of all time um <laughs> but you know like they all you have is you know there are lots and lots of day shows now and i think people are just obsessed with reality tv so it's I don't know, it's hard to get, yeah, it's hard to, we can, we can tell stories like that on Queensland Weekender and things like that, but it would be awesome to do, you know, it would be awesome to have some sort of, you know, young, something that, you know, appealed to young people and really got people in interested in the industry and got people out there because mm. there's nothing trying to, you know, there's nothing getting young kids from the city out there. Yeah, definitely. And it is one of, it's one of those things that, like it has to be experienced to really understand it, but for people oh, to want to totally. experience it, it's like. Yeah, and I mean, this sounds really silly, but I, until, and you know, most of your mates and all of probably people listening to this would, are in the agricultural industry anyway, but, so this will sound silly, but I know until I went out there and lived there, um, how big the industry is out there. Like, I don't even think, I hadn't seen. Sorry. Yeah. So it just cut out. And so like funnily enough, like this audience and the whole kind of driving agenda or purpose behind humans of agriculture is actually around increasing consumer awareness. Well, there's two aspects. There's increasing consumer awareness. So I'm actually targeting a consumer audience with this, but at the same time okay. too, I'm, I'm actually trying to bring industry along for that ride. And so for me, like what I see is, there's not really platforms for young people in industry to share their story. But on, on the back end of that, people actually aren't confident to talk about it because yeah. they feel like they're going to get shot down. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you just started to touch on kind of how broad that industry, how broad the industry was, but how it opened your eyes. So could you kind of elaborate a bit more on that? Yeah. Yeah. And I also, um, just, yeah, just, you know, mentioning being shot down, like even when I, speak about it and I would love to be far more vocal about it but I feel like I'm not um I'm not educated enough about everything to know you know to preach about it and I don't know I think um being 
like not being from the agricultural industry or from a family in ag or something like that you sort it's it's a it feels like quite a closed community like i feel like i'm intruding often like i feel like people are like oh for god's sake what is she doing you know but i'm tr- yeah. like i'm trying to get the and to i don't know just to to make the industry also look super appealing and to make it look fun and exciting which it is but then i often feel like people actually from ag must just be going oh, as if we would be wearing that hat or as if we would do that or you know so it's a funny thing because I am, you know, I'm trying to do what I can to promote it to a city audience, but I don't know what, <laughs> how an ag audience would perceive it. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's so funny because, oh, and, and it's part of this, just all the different people I've talked to about this. I was talking with um, a year 12 or a high school teacher, but he's grown agriculture at their school from kind of, or he's been, key in it from growing as like a nothing subject and then making like careers relating around agriculture really aspirational for kids and obviously when you're doing year 12 you choose your subjects because you want to get a good mark so you can get into a good uni so you can get a good job and so he's actually kind of flipped it on its head and making the careers in ag which i think it's more than 50 percent of jobs in agriculture actually in the city so putting them on a pedestal but then being like and here's all the other options you could do as well as part of that and I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think it's also really important for people um, to know that you don't actually have to, you don't have to be on a farm to be in ag. You know, you can be working in marketing for an ag company or you can, you know, like I was saying the other day, there was um, like, there are so, like, there are so many of those small towns that the wives have got the off-farm income with the um, little store in town. And there, there's just so much, opportunity now in the ag sector off the farm like you don't have to be a farmer to be in ag Um, and I think that's something that's really important um, to teach and to make aware um, make uh, bring awareness about um, that sort of thing just sort of encouraging kids that you don't have to be on the farm all day every day Um, like a lot of our mates are meat traders and grain traders and um, it's just moved to Dubai to he works for JBS and he's doing so well and they're living this amazing life in Dubai, but he's still heavily, heavily involved in the ag industry. So there is so much opportunity and I think that that's so cool. But Because I've actually got a question for you on this and sorry to cut you off, but do you see yourself as actually part of the agriculture industry? No, I don't. I don't at all because I feel like, no, I don't. It's just... I don't know. I feel like I'm not um, contributing enough to be able to say that, although we did just buy a property, so <laughs> I totally could be included in the ad group now. <laughs> and so this is like the, it's kind of the spotlight that I'm trying to shine on it. And so if I'm to say define a human of agriculture, um, like for me, it's but anyone. Want me to answer that question? Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. So oh, afterwards you can tell me if you think you are, but so like, it's any per to me, it's like anyone who's actually trying to better themselves or the world around them through like their involvement and influence around or in or around agriculture. So anything food and fiber related. And so that's where like I've talked with chefs, I've talked with nutritionists, obviously talked with farmers, okay, but like yeah. to me, I think I'd say 
with everything you do, like absolutely you're influencing other people to try and make the world better through your involvement in food and fiber. Yeah, I guess definitely then. Yeah. I'm a human of agriculture, Ollie. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Thanks so much. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, and that's a great way to put it because, um, yeah, there are so many people contributing that probably don't even think that they are. Um, and I think it's such a beautiful industry to be involved in. I know it's bloody tough sometimes, but um, it's really rewarding. And um, I think the people are some of the best. It's, it is a great industry to be involved in. I'm doing another, um, I've got a Zoom podcast thing with... Um, a big women's net, a big rural women's network um, tomorrow night, actually. And um, I was really nervous to speak. I'm really nervous to speak. I mean, I was nervous to speak to you, but I was really nervous to, I'm really nervous to speak to them because I just sort of think that they might think, oh, God, what is, what's she doing? But, um, yeah, I guess when you put it that way, um, yeah, I am contributing a bit, I guess. And now I have, now I have 60 cows. So I love you know it. <laughs> Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I just found talking to Sammy so fun, but also actually digging out a bit more of this understanding of how people actually see themselves involved in agriculture. For me, it's so interesting where you see someone like Sammy who's contributing so much, so positively to agriculture more broadly and promoting what happens in industry. And herself, she wasn't actually feeling like she's part of the industry. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, we've got quite a bit happening. We've got a six-part episode series with the Royal Melbourne Show launching on the 19th of September, as I mentioned earlier. Um, You can find out more on our Facebook and Instagram. Jump over to at Humans of Agriculture with an underscore for Instagram, or you can just head to our website, www.humansofagriculture.com. Look after yourselves, stay safe, stay sane and look forward to joining you again next week. Cheers.